Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hello, today we are talking to Alexandra South. She's an Ashtanga teacher. Um, She's also a vinyasa teacher, a mom of three children. She offers private group sessions um, online and in person. She lives just outside of Dallas, Texas. She's an incredible resource for moms, prenatal and postnatal yoga as as well as yoga that will help strengthen the pelvic floor. In today's episode, we're going to dive into um, her story and how she got into really uh, honing in on pelvic floor work and offering online classes and private lessons for women struggling with uh, pelvic floor strength, especially after giving birth. Um, and you're going to learn so much about Mula Bandha and different ways to bring healing into your physical body, as well as her personal story and experiences uh, practicing throughout her pregnancies with three different children. I also wanted to make sure you knew that B-School was opening up and Alex uh, herself has gone through B-School. We talk a little bit about it and how it's helped her to refine her offerings and to have the confidence to show up in social media, um, to really understand who she was serving and their problems and pain points and to hone her her copy, her language uh, to help her grow her business online. So I would love for you to join me inside B-School this year. It's only going to be offered this one time. You'll get six weeks of uh, mastermind coaching with me, group coaching, as well as amazing other bonuses, a re- online retreat, workshops. You'll get a year membership to the Finding Harmony Inner Circle where you can practice with me regularly and also get all of the Finding Harmony bonus podcast episodes. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful way to um, be in a small group, be in a community, to have an accountability partner, to have people that are also in the wellness industry, that are yoga teachers, that are coaches, um, that are working with energy healing and to come into this group um, to get to know each other, to help each other, to support each other, and to also have my experience uh, working through the B-School program over a couple of years now, several times, and also guiding and coaching other entrepreneurs or solopreneurs to develop their own businesses uh, and do it in a way that sustains not only you and your, your income, your family, but also your health, which can sometimes take a back seat when you're building your business. So I hope that you will join me inside B-School, find out all of the details on my website, harmonyslater.com, and be sure you sign up before the doors close on March 3rd. Um, It's really important to uh, get in there early, and I have a few uh, bonuses, early bird bonuses, and some other surprises for you. So uh, get on my uh, wait list or just sign up for B-School right away before doors close on March 3rd. And without any further ado, here is Alex South. 
Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm joined today by Russell Case. Harmony, I'm so prepared today. I did all my research. I did, I, I did all the little work that you, that you asked me to do. Did you do your Kegels? Kegels. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say, I'm so excited today on the show. Uh, we have a yoga teacher and a shtangi. I know, I know we normally sort of introduce them first, but I just want to get into it. It's a mom. Oh, she's a mom of three children. Mm. Uh, she's a police detective as well as a bodybuilder. <laughs> That's uh, she's the wrong person. From, no, she's from Warwick. <laughs> our guest today is from Warwickshire. <laughs> That's our other English guest <laughs> that we already interviewed. No, that's the, this is what this is who we're interviewing. Today. <laughs> you're you are that's you're from Warwick. I'm from Warwick, yeah. Yeah, it's the same lady. No, it's a different lady. You can hear in the accent; it's the same <laughs> Warwickshire. No, that was Police. Kate Winter. You're thinking of you're and Kate. To, no, you're today Kate we have Alexandra Self. Oh fuck! <laughs> um, you haven't been on the show before. No, she's brand new. Well, I'm brand new. I haven't been on the show before. Oh. <laughs> but these questions aren't going to work then. Um, we're just going to have to wing it. Um, I'm just going to get on. Just do some more kegels. I'm going to get on Google. Um, I did get a sponsor for today's episode. Oh, no. um, the University of Warwick. Um, <laughs> uh, they've, they've, um, I've, they've sponsored the show. What are they giving us? Uh, it says here that the fifth caller will receive a discounted tuition. Oh God. <laughs> Don't believe a word he's saying. <laughs> so they have a, um, they have a saying, uh, men's agitat. What is it? The saying, the motto of the school? The motto. Yeah. Men's agitat molem is from the Latin. Mm. It's mind moves matter. Oh, that's isn't nice. That, isn't that nice? Um, Alex, you'd agree with that, that mind moves matter, wouldn't you? I mean, I I guess I would, yeah. Okay, that's good. So I'm just, it seems fairly intuitive, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm just getting on the Google now. Um, were you a, were you a student of Harmonies in Thailand? It says here yeah, on your website. That's how we met many many moons ago. Yeah, we did. We met. That's how in, you met. Um, in 2006, but, I think it was. Yeah. In the in that at moon, Yoga Thailand in that Moon Bay. Some in kind the of full yeah, moon bay, kind yeah. of. I forget what it was called exactly, but yeah, dark moon bay. I have, I have no idea. I don't know. It's not called Yoga Thailand anymore, though, right? Is that right called? now? They well, back when we met, they were in the north part of the island, kind of the northwest part, and now Yoga Thailand rebranded and moved to the southern part of the island, their Samhita retreat center. Okay. So Yoga Thailand is no more. Completely yeah. different. I mean, it looks very glamorous compared to when I was there. <laughs> yes, it is. I was actually in Thailand in 2019 in February, and it was the first time I'd been back in 12 years since I left. And the, I mean, Koh Samui was so different. And I went and visited Samita just to kind of see what it was like compared to Yoga Thailand. And yeah, much more luxurious. Yeah. I mean, I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to go back if um, maybe when my children have grown up, I can go out there. But yeah. um, I mean, it was such an experience for me to go there. I actually heard about uh, Yoga Thailand from 
another Ashtanga teacher that I used to train with at a dance school. Um, and she told me to go and check it out. I was looking for teacher trainings mm-hmm. and um, the teacher trainings that I was finding in the UK were places where you would just meet for once a week or even just like once a month. Um, and I really wanted to be immersed in in the practice of yoga and also to learn how to apply the practice on different bodies. And um, so I was recommended Yoga Thailand by a friend. Mm. And um, that's, I, I literally graduated Laban, which was a dance school I was at mm-hmm. in 2005. And I booked my ticket and I was, I came out in 2006 and then that was it. I mean, I started teaching from, from that time. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a great teacher training, actually, that they had. You're, you're, bo- you're both dancers. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. What sort of, what sort of, were you a ball- ballerina? <laughs> no, I was very far from a ballerina. Um, I was a contemporary dancer. Oh. It, but we did what is, check, like, a ballet is a part of the, um, of the training. What is that when you're, when you're a contemporary? It's like, it's like now dance. Yes, now dance, contemporary. Yeah. Well, it basically <laughs> like it borrows techniques like mm-hmm. classical and modern and jazz. So oh, it's sort of like a postmodern dance. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. So um, I don't know if it's you... made for the times. I would think that if you're <laughs> dancing, you're kind of doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not like, really it's... doing it in the past. It's a collective of like mm-hmm. dance techniques that are. Um, you know, brand new in this moment of time. Yeah. All right. So it's sort of nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a, you take different forms of dance or different styles and you bring them together and make something new and fresh. Yeah. And it can be a very like expressive form of dancing, Mm -hmm. um, abstract. I mean, anything goes really with contemporary dance. Um, And that's what I really loved about it was like the freedom of movement and the freedom of expression. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, we learn a lot of different um, uh, like, uh, let me kind of think about this, like developmental patterns that went along with the dance techniques. So we learned about like navel radiation, being able to move from our navels and being able to have this spinal connection and um, uh, body connections. So we were able to become like stronger, hmm. uh, stronger dancers, if that makes sense. Okay, um, so it wasn't just like, learning ballet and jazz it was actually about how to embody movement fully um Mm. through different um different practices navel radiation sounds like exactly (laughs) what we're looking for with with the yoga is to kind of radiate from the navel yeah and and then psychedelic kind of way (laughs) yeah and then you would like apply that to maybe like how we develop as as humans so that's something that I'm also I've also learned and interested in is that um how we develop like from childbirth into rolling into sitting up into crawling into standing how these developmental patterns or body connections are all alive 
within this uh, process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So that's something that I I watch my children do, and I'm like, oh wow, they're doing malasana or they're doing right. downward dog to be able to get up to standing and there's a head tail connection and spinal connection and so I really try and bring that into my my teaching my dance work sorry I just went off on a tangent there no I love it and and like shalabhasana is one of the first movements I think we we make as sort of little humans you know in tummy time they're always like lifting their arms and their upper body and legs and you know really strengthening those those back muscles and the core muscles to support, you know, their spine. Yeah, absolutely. And like to know that it isn't the first time that we're doing this before, you know, it's really a a part of us, you know. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting when you talk about, when you put it that way and you talk about human evolution that you're looking at, you know, how it is that we come to, to stand or sit upright or, you know, uh, put our legs in Lotus. Like those are all sort of, those are all the sorts of things that happen when you, when a, a being or a, evolves and to think about dance, you know, arising spontaneously from those movements is really, that's really interesting. Yeah, it, it is. And it's also kind of when you're a part of that going back and revisiting those, uh, those movements, like, um, like going back and learning how to crawl again you're like oh Mm -hmm. I actually crawl using one hand and then the opposite leg and some people crawl using same arm as leg and just how um how to reinforce like a a well-balanced moving body Mm -hmm. Um, and to notice that some patterns are not so strong as others you know and it's just how we have developed as as a person. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there is a lot of similarities when you um, started practicing yoga with contemporary dance? Um, I mean, I found it quite accessible, mm-hmm. like the physical aspect of it. Um, and, um, and also like being able to like move with breath Mm. And that's definitely something that is a part of contemporary dance, like really allowing the movement to come from the breath, this expansion and contraction. Mm -hmm. Um, But that wasn't what made me want to continue with the yoga. The yoga made me, it was feeling something that was something greater than just moving with breath. Mm. Uh, that mm. made me more curious to stay on the path. Mm. Can I ask you you first? Because that's that's fascinating. Uh, can I ask you first what made you want to start with dance? And you were um, you're in Warwick. Were your were your parents dancers? Were were they into that sort of thing? <laughs> no, I mean they were great dancers on the dance floor, but um, mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't dancers. No, my dad was like, an electrician, and mm-hmm. um, my mum. I used to cook in a in a school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, um, that's sort of is that a to be able to go to dance school? Uh, you went to the Northern School of Contemporary Dance. Is that that's is that a, was that a big jump for someone in in your community? Um, 
I mean, I guess so. Like I was at college. I left school and I went to college. I went to Stratford-upon-Avon College and did the performing arts course there. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were a lot of people from the performing arts course that were going on to, you know, um, acting school and different dance schools. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess within like my little town, yeah, Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, to, I went to Northern School of Contemporary Dance just to, for one year. I went and did a foundation course, mm-hmm. which was more like a boot camp. And <laughs> it was like from eight to five, Monday Fantastic. to Friday. Um, and I remember after the first week, I couldn't actually walk up any stairs, any flight mm. of stairs, because I was so sore. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, mm. And... Um, yeah it it was it was really full on um and um I just did the the foundation course there and then I went and did two years of dance training up in Newcastle upon time and then from there I went and did three year degree at Laban in London right and it was at Laban um uh was where I learned all about the um the developmental patterns and the um of the body connections and all that stuff. Mm. That's incredible. You, you know, um, Harmony's father is an electrician. Yeah. And uh, my father's a mechanic. And I often wondered about the choices that they encourage us to make, you know, to push Harmony into dance or to push me into art school. Um, it seems sort of unforgivable now. Like, <laughs> totally. That the parents would think that that was such a good idea when we probably should have you know, we missed a step in that generation. Like we should have gone into the professional careers, you know, first, and then our children could have <laughs> gone into the arts and maybe been a bit better supported because I was flat fucking broken art school. <laughs> and it was really a struggle. And I'm not sure that I I had the resources that I needed when I graduated. Did, did you, did, was that something that you thought about at all and when you were pursuing the arts that... Um, this is really hard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still thinking that now. <laughs> yeah. At the age of 41, I'm like, what am I doing? Right. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just spoke with my dad about this recently and he was like, I just wanted you to do something that you loved and you really wanted to dance. So I wanted to give that to you. And um, mm-hmm. so I was like, that's really sweet of him to like (laughs) want to give that to me yeah like um and um, I was the third child I've got two older sisters so yeah um so um but like literally I when I graduated in 2005 I was already like heart set on teaching yoga and I I did a little bit of dance work in London and I was just like this is not gonna work right I'm gonna go and be a yoga teacher so that's why I (laughs) I um, disappeared to Thailand. Yeah, that's interesting. I did. I did the same. I I graduated and immediately became an art, uh, a yoga teacher, <laughs> and immediately. And there was a question like, "Well, should I go teach art in the high schools in New York?" And I thought, "That's you know, that's for rubes. That's so <laughs> daft." And I was like, "Fuck this! I'm going." I moved to England. I taught yoga to um, to those. Um, 
the rubes in in Brighton, you know. <laughs> and, and so, because what else are you going to do? You know, how are you? How do you? How can you possibly, unless your your father's given you a trust fund, mm. you know, that would be the thing to give you. Well, it's interesting too because for me, I you know stopped dancing when I was um, nineteen and worked at a bank for a couple of years and then went to university and did a degree in philosophy and religious studies. Yeah. But, and during that time started practicing yoga, but you know, it was kind of the same thing because what do you do when you graduate with a degree in philosophy or religious <laughs> yeah. study? Yeah. That was your fallback. Yeah. From, the from dance, right? Yeah. So, Good you know, so again, it was, it was a similar sort of path where I just started teaching yoga right away because it was, that was like also my passion and, and what I was really interested in at the time. Yeah. Right. And it's also just, teaching yoga. I d- when did you guys start teaching? I started in 2003. Yeah, I was. Or 2002, maybe. I, my first class was in 98. But then, you know, I taught, you know, I didn't teach, start teaching professionally until I graduated from school in 2003. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I it mean, seemed like a viable career choice at that time. There's yeah. a, a bunch, it's there's so a lot different. more money than, in, than you know, teaching art. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also so much more fabulous to go to to Taiwan or right. You know, well, at or, that time too, there was a lot of like international travel teaching opportunities for, open for, for stongis. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty yeah. fashionable. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. how I got to Thailand. That's actually. how you got to Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, forgive me for interrupting. Um, we just have another word from our sponsors. Oh no. <laughs> Based in Leeds, city of dance. Uh, I didn't didn't realize that. Um, didn't realize Leeds was the city of dance. Uh, based in Leeds, city of dance, Northern School of Contemporary Dance is a hub for contemporary dance in the north of England, and a school of the Conservatoire for Dance and Drama. For over thirty years, the school has been delivering specialist conservatoire level training to the most talented and committed students locally, nationally, and internationally. They've given us uh, twenty five quid. That's all. <laughs> That's all. It's not bad. I just got We're barely it. scraping by here. It's <laughs> enough for a couple of beers. Oh, <laughs> a pint. It's grim up north, isn't it, Alex? You went all I mean, the way I up north. I love the north. I think the oh, people are just so vibrant. That's I don't what know. they say. They always say that, yeah, it's grim, but the people are nice. Because <laughs> like, you kind of have like to Canada. be yeah. like Canada. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they really like their space in Canada. They don't like um, <laughs> people closing in on them. So. I'm sure up north they like their space too. In, people up north, I don't I I don't know if it's because of the cold weather. They may be like, I don't it's it's just a different mentality, you know, compared to the people down south I love the southerners I mean I'm a midlander so I'm kind of like in the middle but um but um even though the weather is bad I feel like the um the spirit of the people at north is is vibrant mm-hmm. yeah. nice well Harmony's passed me a few notes thank you to the um NSCD for that contribution <laughs> um uh, it says that you were in, in dance school and you were a bit stressed out and then yoga found you. Is that right? Yeah, I'd like to put it that way, yeah. 
what is I what does that look like? Because I spend a lot of time hiding in closets. So it's hard <laughs> it's hard for anyone or anything to, to find, find me. Yeah, uh, it was <laughs> snaky. Um so. yeah, yeah. How did you come to practice yoga? So I was um I was training as um in dance up in Newcastle and I, I teacher came to me and said you know like I was having a lot of tension in my shoulders I think just the way I was moving was Mm -hmm. that my center was quite high um and uh she was like you should just go and check out a yoga class and um it might help you to kind of lower your center Mm -hmm. your center of gravity um so during the summer holidays I went back home and I think my sister was attending uh, the yoga class that was happening in my local library mm-hmm. and I just went along with her and it happened to be an Ashtanga class I had no idea what type of yoga I was practicing wow. um, but uh, there was this teacher um, who was teaching Tuesday and Thursday evenings in our little local library and uh, he was yeah, jumping around on his mat and <laughs> had little tiny shorts and a vest and seemed very a fit. <laughs> yeah. A vest. Wow. Nice. I think we call uh, that a wife beater in uh, yes, North America yes, for those. Yeah. Tank top. Because if, if Martha at home is wondering why they're wearing like a natty, you know, suit vest, it's not that kind of, it's a, it's a yeah, wife right. beater. Wife beater. Yeah, absolutely. She might, yeah. she might be more familiar with that. Term. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I really enjoyed the practice. Like, as I said earlier, like it was it, the physicality of it came quite easy at first. You know, I was mm. young. Um, I was like probably 20, 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 20. And then, wow. And then, um, and then I went back to my class in Newcastle and uh, she was like, wow, you're a completely different dancer. Wow. Like, this is great. What have you been doing? And I was like, I went do some yoga how much yoga did you do (laughs) how much yoga did you do when you came back like a week of it or like three years of it no I probably when I mean you get what like 10 weeks off or whatever the summer Mm -hmm. so I just went like every Monday every Tuesday and Thursday night and did full primary um (laughs) did like 20 classes it it transformed you (laughs) at like like the physical uh, yeah. approach, it might have transformed me but not internal and then um, <laughs> you didn't reach enlightenment in 20 classes <laughs> no. I don't see why that should be an obstacle the number of classes um, and then spontaneously <laughs> um, and then I moved down to London and um, I I went through like a really terrible time I had a really bad experience in London and um, I decided to take a couple of weeks out of dance school and I went back to my parents' house and I was like, I'm just going to go and uh, do the yoga class that I was doing before just to help mm-hmm. with maintaining my uh, my fitness. Yeah. And uh, I started practicing and then it was at night and it, like in England, you know, we have really old buildings and... Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the library, I think, from my memory, had like stained glass windows and um, it was a really beautiful old building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would lie down in Shavasana and I would just cry 
um, and I'd cry in the dark but it wasn't like I was crying because I was sad it was like this inner grip Mm. or this um, like body armor would just release and let go and I kind of felt I felt kind of like free from stress or trauma or whatever I was experiencing Mm -hmm. and um, I was like oh my goodness what like what is this like what is going on with me Mm -hmm. Um, and um, it just set me into this like curiosity of like what is this this is different to going to the gym or going to a dance class Um, and I decided that I didn't want to pursue any counseling um, to help Mm -hmm. me overcome with what I went through Um, but I wanted to pursue like healing through practicing ashtanga and I was I kind of came really interested in how the practice can help with trauma mm-hmm. and um as, and like how it how it can heal heal the body mm-hmm. and yeah. the mind mm. so um my ex-wife was a uh therapist at Kaiser Permanente and um inevitably what what they do at Kaiser now, which is the largest um, health managed organization in California, it would inevitably what they do is that they they do a bit of talk and then they encourage people into a, a physical, a physically cathartic practice of some kind of you know breathing or movement. And it's just that's the where it's just where therapy is going now because it's mm-hmm. there's only you know because the talk can be re-traumatizing just to talk about it but right. actually doing a bit of breathing and and breath work and movement can is shown to it moves stress that's out of locked the body. out of the body mm-hmm. that's locked you know in some kind of you know pattern of um protection absolutely and i mean when one goes through something that um is triggering or traumatizing i mean it shifts the breath um mm. as well I, and that whole like you know it triggers a lot of other shifts in the body so um it's uh for me anyway I, I find just looking at how I'm breathing um has been has been really healing because actually I, I found that I was a um I was actually reverse breathing so in that way I meant like I would suck my navel in on my inhalation and my breath Mm -hmm. would be in my chest and then my exhale I wasn't actually ever properly releasing my tummy Mm -hmm. and I was always in this like a heightened state of breathing yeah and I and Mm -hmm. I think that was probably caused by um experiences I've been through and um and just uh yeah it just kind of triggered my body triggered mm-hmm. my breath yeah that yeah. really keeps you in the fight or flight mode it's really hard to get out of it when you're reverse breathing i think yeah um and i actually only found that out maybe about like seven or eight years ago and i was like oh my goodness i've been like doing yoga and i didn't even real- <laughs> realize wow. that, like maybe it was different on my map but just general Mm. life I was breathing that way yeah wow you have children now don't you I do I have three how old are they I have an 11 year old um and a 
eight-year-old and a one-year-old. That's, I was, that's what I was, I was curious about. Cause, um, you had mentioned that on your second child, who was eight, um, that you had, you had herniated your spine. Yeah, I herniated a couple of discs in my lower back. Mm-hmm. And so this is right around the time when you were, you were learning about um, your breath and, and learning about uh, the reverse breathing. Yeah, it was actually. I think it was that that kind of triggered it. Um, mm. I, um, I had a I had a really great birth with my eight year old, and uh, I think I my recovery was really quick, and I started practicing. I think probably like when I got the green light from the doctors at like six weeks or eight weeks, mm-hmm. and um, because it was my second child, I kind of just you know uh reclaim my practice slowly but because I was feeling really good I just kind of um I think I like brought it back quite quickly now looking back mm-hmm. um because I was feeling quite confident in my body but then um over the couple of months after having her um I started to notice like a doming in my tummy so that means like when you sit up, like I do a yeah. flexion and um, my tummy was kind of like going into uh, like a doming shape, mm-hmm. like pooching mm-hmm. up. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I knew like I'd heard, like I knew about uh, diastasis and, uh, and I was kind of like just keeping an eye on it. But like at night I was up a lot nursing her and I was just like getting in and out of bed just, you know, mm-hmm. um, without thinking about, how to get in and out of bed to protect my body um and then I was also doing yoga and I was doing a lot of back bending and then when I was going into Paschimottanasana to do a forward fold afterwards I was getting this kind of like electrical current feeling in my lower back and I was mm. like this is not good yeah I'm sorry what is that diastasis it's when the abdominus uh, recti separate you know, it creates a space between your abdominal muscles oh for the baby uh yeah it yeah. happens because of the baby yeah i don't know if it's for the baby but well i mean to make yeah you know, make it's the, the, the abdominal muscles separate and they don't twang. have to separate but often they do oh yeah, I thought, yeah they stretch it's... they stretch so sometimes if they're not stretching enough then they'll they'll start to separate so yeah it's like it's an an imbalance of intra-abdominal pressure so the like the connective tissue the linear elbow which is attached to the um sternum down to the pubic bone and that is also it's um that connects the abdominus recti it it stretches it becomes it like softens Mm -hmm. um and uh to allow there to be space for baby um and it's totally you know normal for it to happen um like like 100% of pregnancies like have it at like third trimester but it's just whether it's um that connective tissue creates tension when it comes back and a lot of people find that they don't have a diastasis afterwards you know it just comes back it creates tension but there are um there are people that have a diastasis afterwards um and um and then it can 
cause like um, an instability. Mm-hmm. And you could also get like an umbilical hernia if, if it's not like looked after. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there, that's what I was experiencing. And then I was going ahead and like probably exasperating it more because I hadn't learned, I wasn't like connecting properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so then just one day I went to get out of bed and I couldn't put my feet on the ground. Oh my and God. I was then put on medication for like eight weeks and put in like a, um, a bind for mm-hmm. eight weeks. And I was taking care of a baby and a toddler. Oh my gosh. And, um, and then I was like, okay, I can't be like this. I need to do something about this. So um, I started researching a lot about diastasis and um, it was really about alignment. What I was researching was a lot about alignment and breath. So mm-hmm. aligning the rib cage over the uh, the pelvis making sure the pelvis was in neutral and the rib cage because of the diaphragm being a part of the rib cage making sure that the diaphragm sits balanced over the the pelvis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then um like we are reawakening the the muscles of the core to like to uh, engage mm-hmm. so I was doing that and then I was learning a lot about the pelvic floor as I was doing that because obviously the pelvic floor is a part of the, the core system. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's how I started to uh, become interested in like pelvic floor work. And I started chatting to people about it, like other friends, and they were like, oh, yeah, I, I'm dealing with this. And I was like, okay, this is like something that, maybe I could um, create a platform mm-hmm. to offer other people. Um, and I was also chatting to like a yoga teacher and I was like, oh, I have a, a diastasis. And she was like, oh, is that even a thing? And I was like, oh, like, it is a thing. <laughs> like, it's a pretty big it. thing. <laughs> I think, did yeah. you start working with a, an Iyengar teacher there? Is that, is that how you sort of learned thinking about alignment and uh, your, your pelvic floor? Yeah, so I, I heard about uh, Leslie Howard, who um, is based in Northern California. She offers uh, pelvic floor yoga, um, and she was offering a, a workshop up in Santa Barbara. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm going to go and check that out. Um, you, you flew all the way to Santa Barbara? No, well, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, so I just drove there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Goodness, why? why uh, is your husband? Is he American? Or? So he was born in London, um, yeah. and then moved to Los Angeles when he was five. Oh, oh that, wow, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And how did you meet? We met in LA Fitness in London. Can you believe it? In the gym. Oh, wow. well, that, yeah, that's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And so you flew, you obviously moved to America to be with him. Yeah, so we we met in London and then I went to Yoga Thailand and -hmm. then I came back from Yoga Thailand and said, I'm going to go to Australia to see my sister and do a one-year working visa. So then Mm -hmm. he said, okay, I'll come with you. So he came to Australia with me for a year. Oh, so romantic. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> and um, I mean, you can do that when you're young, right? It's mm. true. Yeah. Um, and uh, so after teaching for a year in Australia, he was like, I want to go back to L.A. So I came to L.A. with him. Oh, was he a teacher at L.A. Fitness in London? No, he was selling memberships. <laughs> <laughs> okay. is that is that is that what he does in la or was that what he he was he was working at la fitness in la selling memberships was no. he in the industry was no he i think it's just an easy job to get when you're like traveling oh. yeah <laughs> okay. oh. well so you just went up to santa barbara to work with leslie howard yeah, so I went up there to a workshop for her, with her and she opened her workshop with um, Every Pelvis Has a Story and she spoke about the story of her pelvis literally from birth and what her wow. pelvis had been through. Wow. Um, and just uh, also just like how, like our interpretation of um, of certain things like menstruation and pregnancy and miscarriage and pelvic pain and um mm. uh like endometriosis and fibroids and uh all these things that can happen within like the pelvis she spoke about and um in my mind I was like oh my goodness this I've been living with this is why I have pelvic pain at the time I had a lot of pelvic pain in my left mm-hmm. pelvic wall um and um but I also been uh experienced endometriosis for like 20 years wow. so um in my mind I was like oh my goodness I've been I'm dealing with pelvic floor issues and I have no idea that this is what I've been dealing with you know mm-hmm. and um, how I've been ignoring them and my relationship with my pelvis and my relationship with my menstrual cycles and just everything that's happened um to my pelvis I kind of just like ignored it and had like disassociation to it you know mm-hmm. and um and also being a part of a yoga community that um and like said I'll oh, take your ladies holiday off and um, when you have something like endometriosis and you have a, a moon cycle that can last two weeks and then you have a couple of days off and then you're on your moon cycle again for two weeks right um, it can be kind of isolating mm-hmm. I, I found it quite isolating to go to a shallow and then being like no you have to go home and I was like I just want to be on my mat and they were like no you have to go home um, <laughs> yeah, no and uh, I was like what am I gonna do and it kind of like shifted my focus to be mm-hmm. like okay now I need to incorporate my yoga not on my mat you know like I um started like taking walks and cooking and um wearing loose fitting clothing and trying to welcome the pain that I was feeling in my pelvis and um the the um the moon cycle that I was having was incredibly like painful and heavy I was Mm -hmm. trying to welcome that because actually I was recognizing that I was just holding it I had so much tension in my stomach and my breath I was like I don't want to feel this 
Um, and I had to kind of like place myself into a safe space to be like, it's okay to welcome whatever is coming up mm-hmm. and to kind of breathe into it. And um, that has actually allowed my pelvic pain to kind of diminish um, to be able to see that I was holding so much tension in that area um, physically, but also like on an emotional level. Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it's funny because it's true. Like in Ashtanga yoga, we talk so much about or often probably more often than other styles of yoga um of mulabandha right and the root lock and the pelvic floor and the engagement of mulabandha and often it's used as sort of like you know well i can't get this oh use mulabandha more right it's like this sort of mysterious um, squeeze harder yeah magical you know thing that people need to figure out this sort of how to use their pelvic floor to support their abdominal strength or their abdominal muscles. But very few teachers, I think, actually understand or know what that is. Right. And I also feel that it's not like it doesn't, I don't know, I haven't read too much about Mulabanda, but obviously like from my from my um, experience, I think it doesn't stand alone, you know. It's not mm-hmm. like like doing a Kegel or engaging your pelvic floor or Mulabanda, um, however way you want to look at it. it. It's not on its own. It's a, it's a part of, a, of a, a team, you know, of the breath. And I actually mm-hmm. feel that for me, I've been able to um, have that expansion and and relaxation and that contraction by shifting my focus to the breath mm-hmm. rather than thinking, oh, I need to engage, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because well, it is definitely har- part of the breathing system, right? Yeah, they're harmonious, you know, like mm. when they take that inhalation with the diaphragm, the, the pressure moves down and the pelvic floor is there to support, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when you take that exhalation, the pelvic floor gently lifts and everything moves up. So um, that's like and the, the way we would want the, uh, it to work together. But obviously there can be um, discoordination, you know, which is when mm-hmm. you can get um, like things like incontinence and like that kind of like comes up. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. It it sounds to me, and I, I read this on your uh, on your website as well, that there's a that you're doing this kind of work to get in tune with your pelvic floor, and and there seems like there's a lot of listening to that and and of bringing awareness to that area that maybe sometimes is is um, it, you know, isn't prescribed in our yoga classes, but you're really, you're thinking about it all. How, it makes me wonder if like, if I know anything at all about my pelvic floor, if I've ever done, if, what my pelvic floor story is. I just, how is it that you can, that someone could start bringing awareness to that? So, and like knowing where it is, um, I mean, we can't see the pelvic floor, which I feel like is one way, one reason why we don't know so much about it because we can't see it. I mean, we're very, we're more, we're very interested in like building muscle in our biceps or our 
right. hamstrings or abdominals, but like not much of the pelvic floor because it's not there. We can't see it. Um, so um, for me, like like if you were come come to like a pelvic floor class, we might do something like um, like sitting on sitting on a washcloth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that like tactile um connection oh that's where it is it's like between my pubic bone my tailbone and my sitting bones um and then like oh maybe I'm like sitting more on my tailbone or maybe I'm more on one side of my sitting bone more than the other you start to kind of recognize like habitual patterns Mm -hmm. of the pelvis and then um I mean the pelvic floor is literally a part of every movement we make you know like picking things up off the floor you know picking our children up or um like just going to the bathroom and uh uh like just it's 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 so a part of everything that you know our daily lives mm. um and uh it's you just start to become aware of it oh this is where it is this is my breath this is how I can relax it when I need to relax it this is when I, I how I can engage it when I need to engage it you know mm-hmm. I think having children really makes you aware of how much you use your pelvic floor and like the little things in life <laughs> because when you're recovering from giving birth if you've had a natural birth um you know, you like, like you say, you bend down to lift something up and you're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. wow, that's my pelvic floor. Why, why is that being engaged or trying to be engaged in this situation? Yeah, absolutely. And mm. I, and even when you have like a C-section, I mean, mm. um, some people may say, oh, you know, I had a C-section. I don't need to do any, uh, need to look at my pelvic floor and it's like well that was still supporting your baby you know and yeah um like for me I had I just had a c-section with my third but I spent um eight hours um trying to have a, a, right. a natural birth and then I was put through to an emergency c-section um but um I it actually um I was actually listening to your podcast with Richard and Mary Mm -hmm. and uh, I was laughing to myself because about the wiggling he spoke about. (laughs) Um, And that's, uh, I wasn't like wiggling after my uh, C-section, but I was like (laughs) lying in bed um, and I would do the diaphragmatic breathing just to try and get some sensation down in like my incision Um, and I would practice the ashtanga yoga um, in my mind doing the vinyasa with my breath and trying to just go through the postures in my mind Mm -hmm. Um, because I physically couldn't obviously get out of bed for quite a while and then, um, but it was the breathing that really helped um, heal, like mm. heal my incision, and to try, and to reawaken the nerve endings and the um, and to reconnect, you know, over yeah. time. Yeah, it's beautiful. A, a couple of years ago, I I, I started noticing that um, I had some weakness in in my uh, my lower abdomen. And, um, I felt like, um, you I thought felt, you were getting like an inguinal hernia. Yeah. I felt it pushing out. 
Yeah. And um, I was aware that my dad and my uncle both had languidal hernias. And I was like, oh, this is my time, you know, for that. Um, and I, I remember um, over that year, uh, I would start uh, kind of consciously pulling in the Uddiyana Bandha and pulling in from that area, bringing awareness to it and and consciously trying to to suction the intestine back in. And I kind of thought what I was doing it, that it was kind of pointless, that this was, I was going to have to get surgery and this is kind of stupid. Um, but I still felt like I, you know, you were doing something. I was going to do, I was doing something, you know, <laughs> but I just realized as I was talking to you that it's been about two years since I've, I've had a symptom and I wondered if that's an example of bringing awareness to your pelvic floor of like that, you know, that actually there's, am, am, am I way off in the woods on this or is that uh, conceivable that you could, you could fix something like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, that would be like an imbalance of intra-abdominal pressure, you know, mm -hmm. because obviously there's pressure that's pushing out you know mm -hmm. so um that would be something to like to look at maybe the pelvis is in like an, an anterior rotation or it's not in a, a neutral position or maybe there's something going on with the rib cage just the actual alignment of the body mm -hmm. um and um and then to try and get a, like an, a, a balanced pressure within within the body but obviously that would include like the pelvic floor because of the positioning of the pelvis but hernia is, is like an and is a um, an imbalance of pressure mm. oh interesting i mean that's really that's really fascinating but even like as we're talking is you know we're, you're talking about the like you know really needing to also bring that awareness to the pelvic floor even with a cesarean um you know it's it's almost impossible, I think, to actually like draw in that lower abdominal area, that root of Uddiyana Bandha without also lifting or engaging and activating the pelvic floor. Yeah. Like I, I like to think about like lifting the lower navel up towards your heart rather than back because mm -hmm. I feel like back is just getting like one part of the like of the system but if you think mm -hmm. about like lifting up it helps with the pelvic floor to like to lift up towards your heart mm, yeah. um so um but it's super important before you like um if you're looking at like engaging the pelvic floor it's super important to learn how to relax it because um, like any muscle you need to have like a full range of motion mm -hmm. and if you have any tightness within the pelvic floor then um it's like it can be in a contracted state so it can't even engage or relax which I feel like what was happening with me was that I had so much tension in my left pelvic wall and mm -hmm. um, I wasn't able to engage it or relax it it was just tense um yeah. and um it's like uh you know if you've got tension in your jaw and you go to the dentist and 
the dentist's like, oh, he's not going to say, okay, now you need to squeeze your jaw tighter. He's going to say you need to learn to relax your jaw and yeah. then you're going to be having more mobility within it. And that's the same with the pelvic floor. So really learning to relax the, the, uh, the tension within the pelvic floor and also the, the surrounding muscles, you know, like the glutes and the hip flexors and everything mm-hmm. that surrounds, surrounds the pelvis. And um, for me, when I was able to learn to relax, I was actually able to use my legs a lot more. I was like, oh, my goodness, I haven't been using my legs at mm-hmm. all, really. And hmm. um, I've just been like holding on in my pelvis. And I, it, I don't know if it was through trying to find mobility, but feeling totally unstable. So I was kind of like clinging on um, rather than kind of relaxing the muscles in the pelvis and the pelvic floor with my breath. Um, and then I was able to really use my legs properly. So they create like a foundation, a strong foundation for the pelvis to have that, um, that mobility within stability. That's fantastic. It's, it reminds me of um, the knock on ballet that so much of it is is trying to bring people up into the air in a kind of like Renaissance triangle or your your or pyramid where you're, everything is going upwards, and that might be something quite different from say uh, like Japanese buto dance, which is trying to get you firmly rooted into the ground. Like even yeah. our just to say, even our culture is is not is does not have that awareness of of being rooted in the ground. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, um, I feel that like, like, um, when there is like softness and you feel grounded, I don't know if you can speak a little bit about this harmony and wrestle, but like when you, when you feel softness, then you're able to collect the, like have more banda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like when you surrender and you let go and you can, uh, you can, you can find that upward lift. It's not like, you're consciously like pulling it up. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, totally. And there's so much, I think, unconscious tension that we hold in our our abdomen. And like you're saying, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, emphasis in our culture and our society to be like thin and to have your stomach muscles like drawn in or to have a six pack. And we see these images all the time. And so, especially like growing up, you know, we're always trying to like suck our stomachs in and like, you know, be as, as thin or as felt as possible. And then we develop this habit, like you're saying, of just holding tension Hmm. and not being able to relax. And when we do relax and release the abdominal area, it, you know, can be quite emotional. It can also bring up a lot of, um, like feelings of, of lack of, you know, self-worth or, um, self-consciousness and, but it's so important, um, you know, as you've, as you've mentioned to be able to both relax the abdominal muscles so that you can actually engage them properly rather than just holding attention like a muscle spasm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It can be terrifying to kind of like to try and relax yeah. Um, like even now, like even now when I'm just at home, I sometimes check in and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm holding tension already. Like it's just such an, an 
it's just a habitual pattern for me like I can just by um doing just general uh like picking up my child at home or doing other activities I I just hold a lot of tension it's just something that I do but it's important like once you find awareness Mm -hmm. like that is like the best thing like you start to become aware of it oh I'm holding tension it's okay to relax okay and then you might check in a few hours later oh I'm holding tension again okay relax and then over time hopefully your body just starts to shift yeah and I think that that's also like like you're saying you know learning to like like release and ground allows you to become more supple allows sort of like the legs to release and the hips because you're able to relax that tension and and use the muscles more um I guess accurately or specifically like engaging them rather than just like clenching yeah yeah and um yeah and to like allow that to be a part of of the breath as Mm. well you know and Mm -hmm. then you have like the whole the whole system and welcoming your stories like what you've been through you know with with an open heart and with compassion and Mm -hmm. have space for them you know because Mm. um I mean it's really empowering to be to have an opportunity to be in charge of your own healing journey I feel mm-hmm. for me anyway, it's been quite empowering to go to, uh, to be on this, to be on this journey and, and learn and to, uh, and to welcome my stories that I've been kind of like holding on and like mm. what Russell said, like putting in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just had a, a friend in from town yesterday who says he's been having conversations with some of our listeners about uh, whether or not I've been um, uh, secretly intimating that I'm still in the closet. Um, uh, you know, I, I was thinking also about his, about his stories. Um, last month or two months ago, you went off on Vipassana Harmony? Yes. And, uh, as I was, I dropped you off way East of town, like an hour and a half East of Calgary. And I came back and I think both of us came down with, um, with COVID with Omicron. We don't know. We don't know, but you were tested positive over Christmas, but I had had all the same symptoms. I think I had it. And, uh, you surprised me. You said that one of the symptoms of Omicron was muscle spasming. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not a physician or a doctor, but <laughs> <laughs> but you had read that you'd heard that that, that some muscle spasming was a, a symptom. People, were I said, about. I said that I had muscle back spasms, and you were having back spasms, and Jediah, and Jediah had, also had muscle. And then you spasms. said you'd read that this, this is one of the symptoms. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I came home, <laughs> Alex, and yeah. um, does everyone know your name on the podcast, Al- Alex South? Does everyone understand that? Yeah. You think so? I don't think I properly introduced her. I introduced okay. her. Okay. No, <laughs> um, pelvic floor specialist is why we've had you on the show. Uh, <laughs> I came home and that night I um, I started having a grand mal seizures is what I call them when I have really bad back spasms. And this one was unusual in that every three minutes, uh, my rector spinae on the left side would grip so intensely that I couldn't, um, I couldn't move or breathe or, or do anything. And I remember even like 
gripping the counter of uh, the kitchen table of the kitchen and and not sure how I was going to get to a position where I could lie down and I and just uh then it would I would do some Lamaze breathing <laughs> like that <laughs> and it would kind of quiet down and then I would shift in some way to like, I would get on my hands and knees. I got on my hands and knees to kind of crawl towards my bed and then it would start again. Like every three minutes would start again. And that went on for, I guess it was like six 30 and it went on until midnight like that. Every three minutes having a grand mal seizure, my spasm. Back. spasm. It was <laughs> pretty intense. I, I found that at a certain point that like the grand mal, that like the, the Lamaze breathing, wasn't nearly as effective as just screaming. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to know if you also, if you found that in your, in your pregnancies and your birth is like, cause I know the OBs, they don't like, they don't encourage the screaming as, anymore. I feel like they feel like it's all a bit much. Did, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, screaming would tighten your pelvic floor. So it'd be really hard to have a baby. <laughs> A lot of women do like a bit of fair bit of screaming though, don't they? I did a fair bit of screaming. <laughs> yeah. But do you think that would tighten your pelvic floor? So it'd be better just to try and relax into the into the pain. Yeah, you could do some like guttural sounds like growling. <laughs> <laughs> like like, um, like your like vowel sounds. I mean I mm-hmm. yeah, like vowel sounds like ooh ah like something quite low oh, yeah. and it opens the mouth out because obviously the mouth is related to the pelvic floor, you know, like tension in your mouth, colic yeah. help in the pelvis. Mm. So um yeah, um being able to have some like low vowel sounds like even an arm is like wonderful it vibrates Mm -hmm. down into the pelvis yeah that's interesting like i'm pushing a watermelon out of my (laughs) urethra i'm not sure that low ohm sounds are really no but it's it it reminds me of you know richard freeman always talking about relaxing and releasing your palate right Mm -hmm. yeah and how like that palate is connected to the pelvic floor and and we're so, there's just so much going on at a very subtle level that we're not aware of until we start to bring awareness to it. Absolutely. It's like the lines of fascia, you know, that mm-hmm. are just connected to the palate down to the pelvic floor. Like even just like a back, um, like the back plane of the body that's from the heels and to the sit bones and then mm-hmm. up and then all the way up to the, like the crown of the head and and these um connective tissues you know like just l- looking at someone's feet can tell you what's going on in the pelvis um or um or even if you're having <sighs> some pelvic uh ailments you can like look at your feet like what's the arches doing how am I standing do I have clen- am I clenching my my mouth how am I breathing what's my ribs doing I mean there's so many different ways I mean it's all interrelated connected um and um I feel like with yoga it's um it's it really does like embody like um like with the mind and body it allows you to like 
um, be a part of your, this healing journey, but also to be like, oh, I see this pattern and you have the ability to like change it, you know, like in that moment mm-hmm. um, rather than just like, it's not spot treating the problem. It's like welcoming the whole, the whole body, your whole self, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. body, mind and spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You would, you would encourage us to ask you about um, uh, your pregnancies uh, in Ashtanga yoga and, and even especially postpartum. And I wonder if you could, you could go into those stories a little bit for us and what that, what that was like. Um, I think, you know, obviously every pregnancy and postpartum experience is different and different with each child and different for each person. So, I mean, um, there's no, for me, like with my son, my firstborn, um, when I practiced Ashtanga and I was pregnant with him, I think my mindset was more on maintaining a practice that um, I already had, like mm-hmm. what I like bef- uh, pre-pregnancy. I was trying to maintain it and it was great. And I was, you know, uh, leaving postures when I needed to leave them and changing them up. But like in my mind, it was uh, like trying to just maintain what I already had. But then when I, I came to give birth to him, um, I was completely lost in a world of fear and I felt very unprepared and I had a really hard labor with him for about 24 Mm. hours Mm. um and a lot of back labor actually which now I know it was caused by my my pelvic imbalance like Mm. how he was positioned yes um and uh if only I knew how to work that out (laughs) but um anyway um so when like I my I felt like with my postpartum after my first I don't know how how it was for you Harmony but I felt like with my first like aftermath is was really quite strong I was in a lot of shock Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and I just kind of like used my practice as like um uh, for comfort if you know what I mean like yeah. it was just there for me to turn to like a dear friend yes practice. yes like to try and find yourself again yeah um mm. absolutely and just a place of peace and mm-hmm. um and I like I there I my family don't live nearby so I was like a lot on my own so it was something that was a part of is a part of me you know that was before Mm -hmm. I became mum before this transformation had happened um so but with my daughter um I felt a little bit more prepared so I when I practiced I actually had the idea of what I when I practiced I was like okay this is what I can use when I go into labor you know like more of like a malasan position I was able to kind of relax more into it because I kind of but like, oh, I could use this for birthing and um, hands and knees positions. And so I kind of shaped the practice to help, even though it was there to support me during pregnancy, but to also kind of um, support me going into childbirth. And um, with her, that's where I actually did a lot of guttural sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did a lot of yeah. low voice. <laughs> um, that so, did work then. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. So, uh, 
But um, but then I found her birth, it went a lot more smoothly and it was a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And then I went into this, like, my postpartum was really uh, clean in a way. Like, I just kind of felt, oh, I felt great. So then I went back into my practice quite happily. But then my body fell apart mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. on. And now I am hearing is that, like, the six-week benchmark is, isn't is like, oh, you can go and do whatever you want. Like, yes, that's great. Like, some people can go and do whatever yeah. they want. It's so different for everyone. But it's like, it's so, because everyone has a different experience, then mm-hmm. that, that benchmark isn't like, isn't for everyone, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, um, I really felt like, for me, it took about nine months before I really was able to like feel like I had connection to my whole body again. You know, I felt like there was a big hole sort of in my center, a big space. And it took a long time to feel like I could engage my core at will. <laughs> and and that like there was sort of more of like that holistic feeling through my whole body. And it I would say at least nine months before... I started to feel like, okay, I think, I think it's possible to like get some kind of like practice back in a way that I can build on this foundation. It felt like the whole first nine months postpartum was just like building a foundation to try and reconnect to my body. But that was, I mean, just my experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's so different for everyone isn't it and I mm-hmm. I feel like that um that six week mark um it just it needs to be like some flexibility within that you know and yeah um and um so like when I got pregnant with my third um there was this dance within me between like fear Mm -hmm. and surrender you know it's like you know what's coming and Mm -hmm. um and you want to like move into that fear with an open heart but um it's it's quite terrifying I found it quite terrifying um so I was able to kind of use the subtleness of the practice like the breath and the meditation and the uh, the self-compassion and Mm -hmm. um just to give myself permission to kind of soften my practice, which I have been doing for quite some time after, once mm-hmm. I found out that I was dealing with all this pelvic issues is to say mm-hmm. it's okay to have a Nashtanga practice and to allow it to support you where you're at and it's okay what it looks like, you know, yeah. like it's okay to soften it if that's how it's going to benefit you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so when I went in to have my third, I tried to use everything that I knew and nothing was working at all. Mm, right. um, so then it was just like, he has his own journey and I have to surrender to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But I really feel like it's that the practice that has taught me to, to let go in a, in a safe space and to trust um I'd like that I'm able to kind of like transfer into like into childbirth if you know what I mean 
Mm-hmm. And then and then with the with the postpartum, um, it was, yeah, it's definitely like starting with the breath and then looking at reestablishing the practice in a completely different way, like doing Suri Namaskara at the wall and then maybe doing it on a chair and then slowly taking it down to the ground and um and like reshaping it and knowing in your heart that the practice is lifelong and it's always going to change as you grow and that's the beauty of it you know mm-hmm. um and um yeah it's I hard mean, though like allowing those changes sometimes and not like wishing it was something else <laughs> or like how yeah, it used to because, be <laughs> yeah mm. because we're not the same you know like I'm not the same my body can't do half the stuff that I could do when I was in my 20s right. I have to be okay with that but then I but then my practice is so much more richer and deep and mm-hmm. uh, more fulfilling. I feel like now, like how I am as a mum, like being more resilient, more patient, and um, and and also knowing that if I did a really um, energetic practice, I might be exhausted by three o'clock when I see my kids, and yeah. I could be like the worst mother ever. So like I have to kind of like think about what my day has for me, you know. Totally. I think that's yeah. such an important point. And I've, I've talked about this a little bit with other um, moms, you know, trying to rebuild their practice. And, and it's a fine balance between, you know, if you get up at four in the morning or five in the morning, and then you do like a very strong practice, you know, at the end of the day at 4 p.m. when your kids come home from school, are you grouchy and cranky and short-tempered and like irritable because you're exhausted Yeah. because you expended so much energy, you know, on this, this physical practice, you know, versus finding either a, a slightly different approach to the practice or allowing your practice to happen at a different time in the day, maybe when, you know, it's later in the day so that you're practicing again in in a different way at a different time in a different space those kinds of things rather than trying to you know fit it into your life in this idealistic kind of scenario and then not having it not help you when you really like want to show up and be a good mom or like have the energy to do the jobs that you need to actually do in your day in your life yeah yeah I mean sometimes I'm like busting out chicken asana while I'm cooking dinner in the kitchen (laughs) I mean but then that's just like the physical side of the practice isn't it I mean like um totally like I've actually found pranayama being really helpful for when I'm nursing because sometimes I can be quite um, heightened when I've got the other two going on I've got homework and everything and I have to put the baby to bed and I'm like nursing I sometimes do some pranayama it helps with my letdown it helps my milk come in yeah Mm, so like trying to combine my practice with motherhood um Mm -hmm. and also to like um have like some maybe some journaling like sometimes I think maybe I'll just do a little bit of meditation while I'm having my breakfast with the kids you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like in like a room on my own how how nice that is when that does happen but trying to allow them to both um, like immerse like come together Um, it's it's something that I I try and do with Jediah uh is because I think he's susceptible to boredom you know he's a 10 year old boy and I I feel like it's um 
can be something of a cross to bear when you cannot endure boredom or or being frustrated with the moment that's in front of you, but to find a way to sink into it and say, I'm okay. Uh, this is okay. And, and you use the, you start with the breath to do that and to concentrate your mind into, into relaxing into these moments of that are, might be deeply frustrating. Otherwise, you know, like, um, you know, sometimes if I have to sit with him while he watches his fucking YouTube, then I have to meditate <laughs> to do that. <clears throat> like YouTube. Yeah, right. <laughs> or his TikToks or whatever the fuck they are. I have to really practice hard to endure it. And um, last night I wasn't, I wasn't very good at it. I just sent him the, I, 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 I packed him up and I sent him, I got him the fuck out of my room. Get the fuck out. I couldn't. <laughs> do it you know i'm i'm on twitter here on my phone could you please get out the right out of my room? yeah <laughs> trying to do this thing take your tiktoks elsewhere yeah <laughs> it's disturbing my twitter time <laughs> exactly oh my gosh what world yeah. we live in yeah there's just yeah you, know, you have to find moments for yourself <clears throat> so now you're teaching some classes online is that what's what is going on alex Tell me more. So I'm teaching a pelvic floor yoga class online. Um, mm -hmm. That's actually, I took a little bit of a break over the holidays. So that's starting back up on Friday um, at 1 p.m. Central Time. So that's online. And then um, my other classes, well, I teach a lead ashtanga class on a Monday Mm -hmm. And that's through a studio out here in South Lake called Divine Center of Yoga. And um, you can also zoom in for that. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, they're all in person. Oh, in, in Warwick? <laughs> no, in Texas. What? Yeah. Are you, in are you Texas. not in your, oh, God. Are you teaching at a studio in Texas? Or are you teaching out of your home? So, um, I am teaching out of a studio in Texas. I'm teaching out of a Divine Center of Yoga, which is in South Lake, um, just um, outside of Dallas. So I teach a lead ashtanga there, and we've just started a little Mysore um, group on a Sunday. Oh, nice. Um, which is really lovely. So that started in January. And then I also teach at a pelvic floor physical therapy clinic um, in Fort Worth, and that's on a Saturday. So, nice. um, yeah, I was going to say, like, if um, any of the listeners are um, experience any pelvic floor imbalances, then to definitely go and uh, see a pelvic floor physical therapist because um, they will be able to let you know exactly what's going on there and then the pelvic floor yoga really does help with um, like supporting mm -hmm. um, and it like coincides with the uh, pelvic floor physical therapy yeah and, and do I understand that you and you and Harmony are in business school together well we worked last summer in yes. Marie Forleo's b-school is that is that another one of these situations where you've you've started working with Harmony and quit your job? <laughs> well, actually, I didn't have a job before. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What? Tell tell us a bit more about what motivated you to jump into B school and how it's sort of what's transpired since your journey last summer. 
So I um yeah, so uh when was that? When did we meet? We started, we had the B-School Mastermind in August and September. Okay. Last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, all I remember is like getting Harmony's emails and um, I was feeling a little lost with my teaching. I mean, um, teaching yoga is definitely not what it used to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very difficult these days. You can't yeah. just go to Asia and make 50 grand for nothing. No. It's like I really have mm-hmm. to put myself out there, which I don't feel very comfortable doing. Um, yeah. So uh, I was feeling quite frustrated in my work and I was at home and I was with the children and I was just having one of those terrible days. And um, I kind of had a bit of a breakdown in the kitchen after like cleaning up dinner I was tired and I was like I just need to do something for myself um and for me anyway I felt quite guilty like doing stuff for myself you know Mm -hmm. but I have like friends who are mums and they were like it's important to do something for yourself because then that energy moves into your your family home you know like they benefit if you're if you're happy you know like Mm -hmm. having something for yourself um and uh so I was like in the back of my mind I was like Harmony's doing that b-school thing I I should like check that out (laughs) and uh, I um spoke with my sister in Australia and she was like oh yeah I did Marie Folio's b-school like six years ago yeah Um, goodness and uh, I was like, really? She was like, yeah, it's great. You should do it. And uh, so I was like, okay, that's like a good sign. And it's weird that this is all kind of coming together. <laughs> yeah. So I'm <laughs> like me having a breakdown and then being like, I need to do something for myself. My sister's saying, yes, Marie Folio, do it. And then Harmony's emails just coming in. So, uh, and because I, I, um, because of our connection from Yoga Thailand as well, I mean, that was something that, um, like, having that connection with you, Harmony, um, and being an Ashtanga teacher as well, you know, like, so uh, that was very appealing to me. So that's when I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. I just, <laughs> I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Let's just do it. And he was like, okay, All right, if that's what you want to do, let's do it <laughs> yeah. um so uh so yeah so I joined and uh it was great and then we we're yeah we were having like these like wonderful mastermind meetings each week and you're going through the program you changed your website up I know and then you like started kind of putting yourself out there and connecting with these physiotherapists and and chiropractic businesses and and different places yeah yeah I mean it it just brought so much clarity to what I was what I wanted to share and who I wanted to share it to Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was kind of just sharing to everyone and I didn't really know um if I what area of yoga I wanted to Mm -hmm. share you know so it definitely brought a lot of clarity to like my thoughts um and um I understood how important it was to be consistent Mm. I'm not an inconsistent person but I mean just to like be consistent in the little things like 
starting up a newsletter and um, and making small changes but knowing it's okay to like to change things up it doesn't have to be like that's how it is forever you know right. so kind of had this like trial and error um approach uh I I liked and um I also liked the fact that it was we were able to meet up once a week and have that interaction and that sharing time mm-hmm. and um and for you to share your knowledge harmony but also to have this lifelong subscription um <laughs> so i like to be a, a mum of three, I don't have much time on my hands to like, yeah. uh, so to be able to have this lifelong subscription, like I've actually signed up to redo the course again this year, yeah. just to go over the certain, certain things that I didn't get to do last time, you know, so it kind of released that pressure. Totally. No, I love that. I think it's so valuable able to be able to kind of go through the modules again and to like just revisit the material over and over again each year and especially when you're working for yourself you know you're an entrepreneur or yoga teacher or coach or whoever that's building their own business and their own um, you know offering their own classes and teaching online it's so helpful to just keep working on your business because we spend so much time working in our business, right? And right. and you have to kind of carve out dedicated time to really look at what you're doing from the outside and then ask yourself those really important questions again. Like, like does this still resonate with me? Is this still who what I want to be doing, who I want to be, you know, reaching and and is, you know, how can I expand this? Or, you know, maybe there's uh, you know, do I want to look at putting more SEO into my website at this point? Or, you know, there's all kinds of like different um, places because it's it's so vast, especially when you're one person doing all of the things, um, you know, it just, it will continue to keep you busy for a long time to yeah. keep refining and honing in all of the the different aspects of of, you know, having a website and having a newsletter and reaching different people and connecting to your students and your clients. Yeah. And just having a different perspective on it. I mean, yeah. like time you come to it. Um, and I, I really enjoyed having it, the, the group to like meet each week. And then you kind of gave us like the little groups that uh, we could go off and meet together at our own time and just I found that quite empowering to um to do it within a group and to hear what other people are doing and then being like you know what I, I can go and I can do that you know like I can um you know um do social media or I I have the strength yeah. to do this to put myself out there because you feel supported you're not yeah. just like on your own at yeah. home Oh, it's so crucial. It's so nice too to have like what I love about the mastermind groups that I offer within the B-School program is it's small, you know, it's usually like 10 to 20 people and you know everyone, you get to know what their business is, you get to know who they are. And and then like you say, there's like little, you know, little accountability partners or people within the group that are all there to help support you and you're there to help support them. And it's such a, it's beautiful. And some lifelong friendships get developed, which is also kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really glad that I'm really glad I didn't. I was not expecting to do it at all, but um, yeah, yeah, it's um, so nice. Well, I'm just really glad that you're doing it again, and we always have our connection too inside my inner circle membership, which is nice. We can continue to support each other. And I am really excited about your pelvic floor classes. I think they're an amazing offering. And so many women reach out to me who have just had babies or who are mothers with children. And I think that they're just an incredible offering to, you know, have online, um, you know, someone with your expertise and your in-depth knowledge of how to strengthen and help bring balance back to these hidden areas of our <laughs> torso. Thank you. <laughs> these, these dark shadowy areas. <laughs> just, just when you think you've done enough navel gazing. Right. We're going to go deeper. Another opportunity. Yeah. We're going to go another layer. <laughs> yeah. Navel radiation. It is, it is that navel radiation. I bet you any money that when you stand up from wherever you're sitting, like think about the navel radiation it's really quite empowering <laughs> i'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> when you walk into a room <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right yeah it's like the manipura chakra right we're gonna just like yeah. connect to that that source of power that absolutely yeah. a powerhouse i mean how many pelvises get left behind i mean like, <laughs> i love that no, no pelvis left behind that reminds me of a summer in turkey it really, it really um, gives you that sense of wholeness you know yeah yeah it's beautiful so wonderful mm. well thank you so much for coming on our podcast and being on this episode it was so wonderful to connect with you in this way and share your wealth of wisdom Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great. Thank you, Alex. Next week on Monday, February 28th, it's Maha Shivaratri, the great night of Lord Shiva. It's a perfect time to deepen your understanding and your practice of pranayama. I would love for you to join my Ancient Breathing 2.0 course with me we will be starting on Sunday, February 27th, and you can dive into the practices. This is the last week to register, so be sure you register before I close the doors. Get in there. And also, a big reminder that B-School is going to open this week on Tuesday, February 22nd. And if you've had the urge, the desire to step out on your own, to start your own business, or maybe develop your own offerings further as a yoga teacher or coach or wellness professional, this is an amazing course. It's the course that I took my business through and it helped me tremendously to define my offerings, to understand who I wanted to serve, and also be very authentic in how I bring um, my teachings and my offerings to people in the world. So I really, really hope that you will join me in B-School. I have some amazing bonuses that will be released this week, including a mastermind group where you will get direct coaching from me through the entire program. We'll be able to audit your website, your copy, look at um, who you are coming 
into the uh, business sphere, into the online sphere to serve. Um, We'll look at your values and your strengths and aligning your business with those. So I would love for you to join me inside the B-School program. Be sure you get on my wait list uh, to be the first to hear when the doors open and to hear all about my bonuses. You can find links to both the Ancient Breathing course and B-School in the show notes or on my website, harmonyslater.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony with me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in